Good evening, church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name's Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spaeth. He's one of our elders. And this is our Wednesday evening conversation through the Law and the Prophets, where we we break open the Old Testament, we see what's there, and we see how it's going to lead us to Jesus. Uh, if you're watching this on the, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like and you uh, you like the video and you subscribe to the channel so you get notified every time we upload a video. If you're watching this on Facebook, make sure you like and you share the video. That really helps us out. If you're watching this on the Heart and Hands podcast via Spotify or Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us tonight. If uh, this ministry has in any way blessed you and you're interested in partnering with us as we teach and preach the gospel, as we go through the Old Testament, I want to encourage you to go to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. There's a donate button there that links to PayPal, and you could you could help us out and partner with us. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, this evening, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 5. We're going to continue the story that we, we've been pursuing, this looking at how God is going to deliver his people out of Egypt. It's going to be great. Yep. I'm really excited by it, and uh, hey, it's a great study. I love, I love the, you know the, the in the New Testament in the Book of Romans, Paul says everything was written four times was written for our learning. Yeah. Okay, so you know, no matter whether it was written to us or not, we can still learn from it. We can mm -hmm. learn from what happened to these people, and I think we need. I think we try anyway to connect that this to to now. You know, some we can't always do that. Not all of it's pertinent, but but the biggest majority of it is, and it's a. Uh, it's it's neat to see how it how it connects to us and how we connect to to the text. So absolutely. Well, let's, let's break it started. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study tonight. We pray your blessings upon us as we study, as we uh, as we navigate through the text, and we pray, Father, that you will present it in a way that that our audience can understand and can learn from it. We pray for them that they they have the right kind of heart, the right kind of mindset, and they will listen intently, Father, and they will strive to learn and then strive to apply these things to their lives, Father. Bless them and bless us as we as we go through this this evening. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So in Exodus chapter uh, three and four, where we've come from is you know God called Moses out of. Uh, is he Midian, I believe, Midian, mm -hmm. and brought him out and said, you're going to save my people. He wasn't too keen on that idea, but he got with the program, and now he's arrived. Well, he's got a helper, and, and anytime, you, anytime God calls you to do something, you have to do it alone. It's, it's a little scary, but when you have a helper, and his brother comes and meets him, and you know, it's, Jesus sent his, his disciples out two by two. He did that for a reason. It's a whole lot easier to go do something with somebody else with you than it is to go by yourself. So... I think I think he gets on in the program because he starts to he starts to recognize that you know this is I'm really I'm really dealing with something here. This is a big deal. So but. well, and with that in mind, you know you're you're pointing out that you know even in the New Testament we see him go out two by two. Solomon in, in Ecclesiastes talks about the the strand of cords that cannot mm -hmm. be broken. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that we take that a little bit out of context a lot of times, but it's still true. That, you know, a cord is stronger. One cord. You know, having multiple cords, having multiple Absolutely. people in a group. So with that in mind, though, thinking about God's deliverance, because that's what's about to take place mm -hmm. here. How does God's deliverance normally take place? You know, you've been an elder in the church for, mm -hmm. what, 30 years, 20 years? More longer than that. So yeah, probably 30 years. So you've yeah. been elder in the Lord's church a very long time. You've been a, you've been a, you've walked with God for a very long time. So your perspective on his deliverance mm -hmm. um, is an important one. And so when we look at God's deliverance when he shows up we talk about him showing up right we know he's always there but when mm -hmm. when things start to change things have been bad and they start to change is that a rosy peaceful great happy oh, process no and it takes time you got to be patient I've, I've seen people that that come to god and they want their lives to change instantaneously it doesn't happen that way 
You know, it takes a long time sometimes for God to, to take you into a place where you're willing to change and willing to do what needs to be done. This is going to, it's going to show us here. There's going to be a lot of heartache here. That's going to happen. They're, they're going to, they're going to make mistakes and God's going to punish them. You know, but God's, God is still in that delivering process. It, that's been since Genesis chapter three. You know, we've seen that since chapter one, we've seen God making, have a plan in place to deliver his people. But when you make it on a personal level, you know, you know, all the consequences of sin and all the things that we've done don't just go away. God can deliver us out of them. He says he does. So from God's perspective, he can forgive and forget. It's, it's, we have to come through that stuff. So God's deliverance is not just on him, but there's a lot of his deliverance working in us too, because we've got, a, we got a lot to, to we got a lot, of, lot to navigate through. A lot so, of consequence, a lot of darkness that it's in our lives. I, you know, I've, in my experience, I've often noted that people come to Christ or it's often people are very receptive to the gospel when they're at wits end. Yeah. When they've mm -hmm. tried, when they're, mm -hmm. when they've tried everything to fix, mm -hmm. they'll fix a problem and they've done everything mm -hmm. they possibly can. And now they're like, oh my gosh, I have no other recourse. I can't fix this. Mm -hmm. I've got to turn to God. And it, you know, there's a lot of sin involved in that. You know, especially when you're trying to fix an issue, when you're trying to take care of an issue, think of Moses, you know, I'm going to try, I'm going to save the Israelites. I'm going to kill this guy. Right. There are consequences and God, it sounds to me like you're saying God doesn't always deliver us out of those consequences. Well, he, no, the consequences, you know, there, there are things that, that we've done that we're going to have to, that we have to deal with. Okay. That we'll, we'll have to deal with. Uh, those don't just go away. Sure. God forgives sin. And he forgives the he forgives the consequence of sin. All right, I mean not the consequence, but he forgives the punishment of sin. Okay, there's a punishment involved with sin. He takes that away. When we've been washed by the blood, and we come to him on his terms, we're obedient to him, do what he tells us to do, and start living for him. That deliverance has started in our lives. It started from that moment that that we that we accepted that he was who he said he was and became obedient. But but it it's still I'm still living a human life. You know, there, there was there was consequences. Did did God not provide deliverance for for us through Jesus? Absolutely. Did He take away the Did He take away what was going to have to happen? The ugliness of sin? No. Jesus had went to a cross. You know, Jesus went to a cross. You know, what about the what about the New Testament? All these guys, all these people. You know, these people died. Some of them. You know, we we just looked at, at uh, Wednesday night ago uh, about Stephen. Stephen was a godly man, but sin in the world caused a violent death for him so in chapter 7. Not only do we have to deal with our consequences of whatever sin we might have committed, but we have to deal with the sin, the consequences of sin of others. Yes, yeah. yeah. Th that doesn't mean there's not deliverance happening. You know, you're not going to look at, at Stephen and say there was no deliverance in his life. Deliverance was there. He was saved, washed by the blood, been baptized into Christ. He was washed by the blood. He had been called as a special servant. To help feed the Grecian widows, and and then he's talking to the same group of folks, same kind of mindset folks, when he's when they when they want to they, they they take grab hold of him and take him and and he and he starts talking to them in chapter seven, gives them a whole history of their of their heritage, said said this history should have brought you to Jesus and it didn't, you but that doesn't surprise me because you you you've. Uh, You've disrespected every prophet God ever sent. That's true. So, you know, the, the consequences of sin in our world today does not is not alleviated because God brought deliverance in your life. Well, and it would seem to me that every time God does bring deliverance, it's not it's not the way 
first of all, it's not in the manner or the way in which I would have traditionally thought it no, comes. No. Right? If you asked how is God going to save the world, right? We know he's going to bring from Genesis, from this study in Genesis chapter 3, we know that God is going to bring about the destruction of chaos and evil and sin and all these things. He, is, he has promised this, that he's going to do it. We know it's going to come through the Abraham's family because of Genesis 12 and, and others. And so it's it's interesting because as we move through the text, we'll see more and more tidbits of how God is going to do this. And I and even once you hit the first century, nobody thought, nobody thought, even John the Baptist wasn't sure if Christ was the Messiah. Well, think that's, start, that's he, a logical that's a logical question. Right. Nobody thought it was going to be through the cross. You know, through the, sh I mean, the, the immense shame that is attached to the cross, the stigma that's attached to it. Nobody thought it would come through that. And so God's deliverance is, is an awesome thing. It's a powerful thing, but it's oftentimes, he often operates in unexpected ways and he often operates through hardship and difficulty. Wouldn't it have been easier if God had just put down a chapter somewhere and said, this is how it's going to play out. His name's going to be Jesus. Here's where he's going to be. Here's what's going to happen to him. Here's what's going to have to happen. This is how it's going to connect to the Passover. This has good. And people still would have believed. But we if we'd have had a, a couple of pages of roadmap, you know, and and if we if we looked at it and say, okay, now here here I connect this, 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 and God's plan. And God always talked to us and said, No, I want you to believe me and trust me. Just trust me. Well, I've got this. And even in when Jesus came, what did he do? Talk to him in parables. The argument that, you know, I, I've often heard people say, you know, well, why doesn't God just set up on a mountain? We're going to see that he does that. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see that people still don't follow. You see? Yeah. You see? I mean, they, they, they he's going to send Moses up on a mountain to give him the law. And they're going to get they're going to get tired and, and cranky and, and belligerent because he ain't come down soon enough. And they're going to make a golden calf, start worshiping a calf. That's right. And Aaron's Aaron's going to do it. And Aaron's going to do it. Yeah. You know? Aaron's so, going to cast it. Yeah. So, <laughs> the, you know, the, the, like I said, the, I mean, like you were saying, this is about deliverance. The next, From now on, it's about deliverance. But it's important for us to grab and hold on to that deliverance is not a pretty process. No. It's a hard process. It is it's a hard difficult process. process. It's a messy process. And we're going to see that not in Exodus for, chapter From God's five. perspective, it's it's he's done the messy part. He said, I will forgive you if. And if we do that, it's the messy parts for us. Sure. Because we're involved in all the messy stuff that we have to navigate through. And, and God's still saying, I just want you to trust me. That's right. be obedient. Whether this person sinned and you're dealing with the consequences from that sin or you're dealing with the consequences from your own sin, are we going to continue to put our trust and faith in God and live the lives he has called us to live, trusting that he's going to do what he needs to do? Absolutely. And we're going to see that in Exodus chapter 5. That whole tension is going to play out in this chapter. And so let's talk about it afterwards. And this is Exodus chapter 5, verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pause. Okay, so what is happening here? These really old, right? Because Moses is eighty, right about mm -hmm. now. It's been forty years since he's been in Egypt. So mm -hmm. that's a very that's a long time. It's a long time. And the old Pharaoh has died. This is a new Pharaoh, mm -hmm. right? And so Moses and Aaron Aaron come in and somehow get an audience. Maybe because of Moses's lineage, his his line, his his relation to the royal family. We don't know. It doesn't tell us. It just basically Moses and Aaron have walked into the Oval Office and have told the leader of the most powerful nation on on the planet 
you know, from a militarily military standpoint, right? Has and they are making now demands to that person. That's that's really what's going on here. This is the most powerful king on the earth at this time. And these and and he's he's come at the at the uh, request for their their slave line. Yeah. That is that is building all their buildings, doing all their stuff. And and they have enslaved them now. Absolutely. And yeah. now these are these are slaves doing what they're told when they're told, and they are and and Moses walks in and said, "Let them go." Well, let me ask: Do things do things tend to get better or worse over time? Well, it depends. Depends on what you're doing. Do does society? Let me make it a little bit. It's getting worse. Okay, it gets worse, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen that in our nation. Okay, so forty years ago they were tossing babies into the Nile. Yeah. What are they doing now? Oh, I know. Tell them. You know, I mean, this isn't. And, and we don't. And we don't know for how long they have been enslaved before that. Right. Yeah. We, we know they idea. were there for four hundred and thirty years. Right. We just don't know how long it, that they were enslaved there. We don't know. Uh, so it could have been a hundred years. So Moses and Aaron, these two dudes from the wilderness, walked into the Oval Office, mm-hmm. and they're raining. They're raining on this on this leader's parade. Yeah. Hey, that slave force you got? Yeah. You need to let them go. You need to let them go now. Yeah. It's, I, I look at this and I take a lot of an encouragement. And I, I the encouragement I take is the importance of speaking truth to power. That's, it's, 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 we see it all throughout the scripture, mm-hmm. right? Even Christ before Pilate, you know, and what did, what did he say when Pilate said, don't you know, I have the authority and Christ says, <laughs> he wouldn't you, have it unless you, you God gave it to yeah, you. Yeah, you wouldn't have it. I'm not concerned. And how important is that for us today to not be concerned? Look, you know, our country is in is in a shamble you know our our country politically we're the most divided we've ever been since the civil war a lot of a lot of pundits are now saying right there's a civil war coming and all of that stuff mm-hmm. and that's that's ridiculous we shouldn't think about it like that we shouldn't talk about it like that but they do understand that their ratings and their money depends on sensationalism right and so but we are very divided we have we have we have a difficult time agreeing on reality we have a difficult time we could easily look at the situation our nation is in right now in 2021 and we could say there's no hope here but do we know who sits on the throne you know i i don't put my trust in politicians or in, in any of these other people right and i think as we move forward our society is understand starting to understand that a little bit more better but i understand who sits on the throne so because i understand who sits on the throne we when we have that understanding we need to be willing to do things like that well you know it if you focus, if, if we focus in the right place, we're going to use all this stuff around us as opportunities. Mm. Okay. If we're not focused on the right thing, then we're going to get, we're going to become in, embroiled in the turmoil. Yo, of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I choose to not focus on the negative part. I'm going to use it as, a, as, a, as an opportunity. Absolutely. There's a lot of opportunities out there to, to, uh, to teach the truth to help people out of train wrecks, okay? There's a lot of opportunities for evangelism right now, a tremendous amount of, of opportunity to, to share with people the gospel. That's right. There may be somebody watching right now that, that are at, at some point, at some point in the future, they may watch this video and say, man, I'm looking, been looking for deliverance and I've been looking everywhere and I ain't found it because I've been looking in the wrong places. 
and they're focused on the wrong thing. That's right. Yeah. They're they're committed to the wrong thing, mm-hmm. and maybe they need to be committed to God and let God and understand from this 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 chapter where where Moses shows up. Mm-hmm. There's a long time before they're going to realize that many of these people are going to be dead, mm-hmm. and they won't see any deliverance at all. They'll see <clears throat> they'll see a deliverance that comes from them walking out of Egypt, but they won't see a deliverance where they reach the promised land. Many of these people won't see that. So I've got to depend on, I'm, I'm not going to, I believe that, that Jesus is not going to come back anytime soon. I know what people are saying. I don't really care what they say. Okay. I don't, I don't look at it that way. I know what's going to happen when he comes back. I know what he tells us is going to happen. I know what he tells us in second Thessalonians, what it's going to look like. Okay. I'm right. While I'm here right now, I'm going to work as hard as well, I can. Well, and that was his, it, whenever we look at, you know, eschatology or in prophecies and things like that, Christ is always telling, and the apostles are always telling people, don't worry about that. Be at work. Yeah. Be found at work yeah. when he does come back. Yeah. And so I don't really care. I, I'm in the same boat. I don't really care what your eschatology looks like so much as what are you doing while you're waiting? Are yeah. you sitting there, standing there, staring at the skies waiting like the apostle? Waiting like for the brimstone apostles? to fall out of the sky? Where, where, or are you at work about your father? Are you at work and, and, and about taking your father's the, making the most of every opportunity, making the most of these opportunities that we have right now where people are concerned. People are in chaos. People are looking around and saying, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I don't know where I'm going to go. And and they're looking for deliverance. These people, they've been they've been crying because that's what it said. He said, "Let my people go." And in the and up in the in chapter four at verse thirty one, he said, "And they believed." And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them, they had seen their misery. They bowed down and worshipped him. You know, they, these people have been crying out to him for a long time, and finally he showed up. It's interesting. It's it's like this. We're seeing the gospel. Mm-hmm. We're seeing the good news. Here. Absolutely. This is excellent news. Now it's not excellent news for Pharaoh. No. And I think it's no. important for us to remember that in Second Corinthians chapter two, uh, in verse fifteen, Paul Paul tells the Corinthians, "For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ yep. among those who are being saved, and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death; to the other, an aroma that brings life." Yeah. You know, the gospel is good news mm-hmm. for those who are turning, who are hearing it in turn. Mm-hmm. But for those who harden their hearts, it's not good news. It's bad news. Mm-hmm. It's horrible news. It's horrific news. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a passage, I forget exactly where it is. Uh, I can't recall off the top of my head, but there's a passage that says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess uh-huh. that Jesus is Lord. You know, when he does return, there are going to be those who bow yeah. welcoming. And then there are those who will... I just, had someone, fear. I just had someone talk to me the other day that was just converted. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had been they've been struggling for a long time, came to God, became obedient, did the things they needed to do, and are walking in the walk. And they called me the other day and said, uh, I talked to to one of my relatives, and they brought up a text, and I said, okay, typical text, don't mean doesn't mean what he's trying to say. It means you know it. it and, and I said, you know what's wrong here? They're afraid of you. You scare them. Because what you do and what you're doing and what how you're talking, they're not doing. And they and they claim a relationship, but then they can see a relationship that, that's real and it scares them. Yeah. You know, when deliverance starts happening and it really happens and you really turn into a follower, a lot of that stuff doesn't matter anymore. And and you'll and you'll yeah. come across that way, where it doesn't really matter. It's hard when you're talking to someone who's really struggling with all the politics and all the nonsense and all. It's really because they're consumed with it. 
Yeah. And I walk into a room and I say, what? You know, I, I did that a while back. Somebody was, we was in a group and there was five or six. And, and I said, you know what? I said, I don't really care about none of that. I said, I care about that person right over there that I know is lost. And I need to figure out a way where I can make that person not lost anymore. Where I can get the gospel to them. That's what I'm concerned about. I don't care about all this politics stuff y'all are talking about. I don't really care. And I got up and walked around. And they just stared and looked at me. You know, and, but that's the point is, is I can't be, you know, God's deliverance is at hand, guys. You know, you got God's deliverance is, it was at hand here and it's going to take Moses and Aaron a while to get people's attention. Well, God's deliverance is at hand in people's lives as individuals. Well, they're going to get the people's attention real quick. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, in, in chapter four, they were, they were partying it. Yeah. They were excited. They were yeah. praising God. They were worshiping. Yeah. They're like, mm-hmm. God is going to deliver us. Yeah. And I think when we, we hear that, we get the con, we get the idea that God's going to pick us up out of this horrible situation that we've either created or has been created by others, right? Through sin. And he's going to drop us into paradise. And that's what they expected in Jesus' day to take them out, take the Romans out. That's exactly what they expected. Yeah. yeah, we're always we're always looking for towards the how would we do it and what does it look like for us? Yeah. And God's yeah. like, you don't understand. Yeah. You don't understand. So afterward, Moses and I, they went to Pharaoh. They go to this, this powerful, powerful ruler, the most powerful ruler in the ancient world. And he says, this is what it is. Let my people go. And so in verse 2, Pharaoh, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to work. Then Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. Then the slave drivers and the overseers went out and said to the people, this is what Pharaoh says. I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw. So Pharaoh, they tell, let, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, I've got a better idea. Let's make this a lot harder on you. Mm-hmm. Let's make this a lot worse. So what is? So then the Israelite overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh. Why have you treated your servants this way? It's interesting. <laughs> what did they cry out to, to Pilate? Um, what did they cry out to Pilate when Pilate was trying to argue to let Jesus go? Mm-hmm. He was saying, I, "I'm going to let him go. I find no reason to punish him." What did, what did they say? He uh, he's usurping Caesar. And then later, didn't they cry out, "We have no king but Caesar"? Mm-hmm. It's interesting how just a little bit of difficulty, a little bit of problems, things don't go the way they expected to go, and they went from worshiping God and praising God for His deliverance to things just got a little bit tougher. And why are you treating your servants this way? Yeah. So who's their king? Who's their god? God, who's come to deliver them, or Pharaoh, who enslaves them? But they don't recognize at this point. You know, we get caught up in our own life. We get caught up in the in the physicality of life and not the spirituality of God. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we get caught up in the wrong thing. And, and I was looking at this and how Pharaoh is going to make this harder. Well, Satan's going to do the same thing in our lives. Yeah. Satan's going to walk into your life. And, and if you think... If you think you come to God and everything becomes peaches and rosy and, and just, you know, everything's wonderful. It's not that way. Satan is not going to let you go easy. He is going to make it difficult. Yeah. 
He will. We have more tools to fight with. We have more people to fight on our side. But Satan is going to strive to make it more difficult. Yeah. You know, and the only way we're going to make be successful here, the only way we can be successful is if we stay focused on what we're supposed to be focused on and don't focus on the negative stuff. Well, and that, you know, if we understand that God's deliverance isn't isn't what we think it is. Mm-hmm. It is much better than what we think it is, right? It's all of these wonderful promises, all of these things that are going to occur, and we get some of it now, we get some of it later, but it's like, you know, we sing that song a lot, standing on the promises of mm-hmm. God, right? Standing on, right? You know mm-hmm. how that goes. So if we don't know what God has promised, then we end up trying to stand on things that he hasn't promised. It's like, uh, I, had a, I had a brother one time relate to us a story you know, this, this younger Christian, he, you know, he had a lot of faith. He believed in God. He put on Christ. And it was a very, it was a challenge to other people. Like you said, you know, when you start really walking and following that relationship challenges others. And so to fight with this person or to, to, to despite this person, this lady told him, you know, well, if you really have faith in God, if you really believe in God, why don't you go across this busy street? Just walk out into the middle of it. Surely God will protect you. And he didn't know what to do with it. He didn't want to do it. But at the same time, he started questioning, well, do I really have faith if I don't do that? God did not promise you that. No. This is, that is a, no. that is a trap. That is a lie. It's like That's somebody says, trap. it's like somebody says, well, you don't have faith if you're not willing to go up on the mountain and sacrifice your son. If you hear the voice of God and he tells you, go up on the mountain and sacrifice your son. Abraham wasn't just chilling in Ur of the Child Chaldeans one day and God comes up to him and says, hey, Take that firstborn of yours and go sacrifice him on a mountain. That's not how that worked. God gave him promise after promise after promise and every reason to believe and time to grow in walking with God before he ever asked him to go up to Mount Moriah. If you remember distinctly in that text, right before he goes up to Mount Moriah, he tells him, what about Ishmael? It says, Abraham dearly loved Ishmael. Mm -hmm. And then God says, and he was distressed because Sarah's telling him, get rid of this this slave woman and get rid of her son. And Abraham's distressed because he dearly loves the boy. It's his son. Yeah. And God comes to him and says, don't worry, I'm going to take care of him. So he gives him a single water skin and sends him on their way. The son whom he loves, he turns out loose with a single water skin. Why? Because he doesn't love the boy? No. Because he trusts that God is going to do yeah. what he's going to say. Yeah. And then God tells him, go up on the mountain and sacrifice Isaac. Mm-hmm. Then he says, this concept, this idea that if God says, or this concept of this idea that we're going to stand on things that God has not promised is destructive. We have to know what he's promised so we know what to stand on. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to walk out into the middle of the road because God has not promised me that protection. And even if he has, let's say we do have a promise, right? We know that God has promised this. (coughs) Is it not testing the Lord our God when we take advantage of that oh I'm gonna walk let's say God has promised me that I will come to no harm I can cross any street in the United States I will come to no harm right and then somebody says well well let's just see if that's true that is an exact test right the scriptures say of Christ that the angels would be ministering to him and they would not let his heel strike at strike hard service all those things and what does the enemy come he comes and says well doesn't doesn't the word say this about you so let's prove it jump off the mountain Right, jump off this high place. The exact same thing that somebody told somebody, why don't you just walk out in the street? But if we don't know what the promises are, Mm -hmm. and if we don't understand how to stand in them, and we don't understand how God's deliverance works, if we don't understand these concepts, we are easy prey for Satan, just like these people were, and just like the Jews were in the first century. 
Just same, like people all, all around us that we see, they're easy prey. They look at this situation and they see the reaction of Pharaoh and their reaction is, God's not our God, mm-hmm. we're servants of Pharaoh. And then look at what they say here. Look at they say, what they say. When they left Pharaoh, so these are the people, the Isra- Israelites, that went and complained to Pharaoh about the harsh treatment. They were already getting harsh treatment, right? Yep. So when they left Pharaoh, they, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> these, these are the people who've come bringing deli- God's deliverance. They've said, God has sent us to help you. And this is their response. May the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh. Oh, because you weren't obnoxious before in your slavery, right? And his officials have put a sword in their hand to kill us. So what? Your solution but, but is to is, go hide in them? This hide is in exactly what sin does to us. It mm. confuses us. It confuses and, and lies to us and makes us believe things that are not it true. It enslaves us. It enslaves us. It enslaves us. It's the exact same thing. It just doesn't have the it just doesn't have the name of Pharaoh on it. Right. I mean it, it has all kinds of other names. Alcoholism, you know, and, and you know, and and all kinds of other isms, you know, promiscuity, uh just laziness, mm. gluttonous. I mean, all kinds of things that just enslave us in our you know, I mean, complacency. We get complacent in our world mm. today, and we get we just get, you know, we get sad being satisfied mm. okay yeah. satisfied with where i am instead of looking and longing to be someplace better and longing to be better those are all that can all turn into sin in our lives and we get caught up in this stuff just like they did i mean look at it, it says it says uh, we've been you made obnoxious to pharaoh well the our sin in our life does the same thing to us it it confuses us confounds us and lies to us and makes us believe what is not true. In Romans chapter six, starting in verse fifteen, Paul says, "What then shall we? What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? The real choice we have, the the real only choice we have, is whose slave are we? Yeah." The world wants to couch sin and death as life and liberty. That's what it tries to do. It tries to say, oh, look, you can do whatever you want. You can live however you want. You can, you know what I've noticed though? It doesn't matter how much money you have. People in the world are miserable without God. You know, the, the, what the world has done to most people in society is lied to them and told them they don't need deliverance, that they're okay. That they're okay in their bondage. They're, that they're okay. That it's, that it's, yeah. That's what these people thought. That's right. Hey, as long as we get the straw, we'll make the bricks, we'll meet the quota, and we're just fine. Hey, God's deliverance sounds hey, great. Hey, they're taking care of us. Hey, God's deliverance sounds sounds great, but but, but no more hardship. But what Not if, willing to do any hardship to get there. You think there was some there that didn't believe they even needed to be delivered? They oh, were just com- completely comfortable totally where po- they were? It's totally possible. It's totally you know what I mean? Possible. There are people today that you and I run across all the time. They don't know they need to be delivered. They don't care. Yeah. They, they don't care. They, yeah. they are completely content to live their life in total obscurity and, and up to their neck in sin. Don't recognize that it's sin because the world has told them it's not. Hmm. You know, they're, they're living with a, with a boyfriend or living with a girlfriend that they've been with for five, six years. The, the world is told, well, if you stay with them that long, you're common law married. Okay, well, so now they've looked at it and they, they know it's a lustful, sinful condition. And they look at it and say, I'm fine. 
because the world looks at it and says it's okay. Doesn't make any, it doesn't make it okay because the world says it's okay. You know, they'll, they don't bother to go and see, okay, what does God say is about this stuff? The, what is the promises? What are the what are the facts that we have to? Has he covered any of that? Well, in Romans one makes it very clear that even though they know there is a God, they do not honor Him or give thanks, and their foolish hearts are dark. Notice what it says there: give honor Him or give thanks. It doesn't say mm-hmm. keep this really complicated regulation scheme that the only way you would possibly know is if you read the Bible. That's not what it says. No. It's this very basic thing: they did not honor Him. How how would what is the expectation of honoring mm-hmm. in Acts chapter seventeen? Paul says, God is not far away from any of us. In fact, the reason the nations are the way they are is that you might seek him out because he's not far away. But did they do that? No, they did not. And that's what Paul points out in Romans chapter one. He says, even though they know there is a God, they did not honor him by looking for him, by seeking him out. They didn't look for him to give thanks to him. He says, even the creation itself is enough that we should know. It's evidence of him. And what did we do instead? And he and at that day and time it was we you know we made idols and we did this and that's still a common practice around most of the world in the United States it's much less we bypassed the idols and elevated ourselves to gods. Well, we've made just created different idols. Well, we've created our we idols on our own. We image. don't make them out of wood and stone. We make them out of flesh and blood. That's right. You know, tell you know tell some young kid that that just met LeBron James and tell him that he, that we don't sometimes make idols of people. Oh yeah. Or idols of sports, or idols of talent, or idols of whatever. You know, our money or whatever. We set our money up on a pedestal and we worship at the at its feet. Mm. You know, mm. our talent or our stuff, materialism. You know, whatever. Right. We just make different idols. I want. I want to read. I want to read sure. this text. It's, it's a text in Romans chapter fifteen. I, I alluded to it a while ago, but I want to read the whole text. This whole verse. And, I, and when I studied the Old Testament with with my class a long time ago, the, we started every class with this verse. Because I want them to remember why we were studying the Old Testament. Right. And this verse says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So everything that we're studying with you guys, everything from the Old Testament, talking about this is a study of the law and the prophets, this is to give us hope. That we can learn from it. We can understand from this text alone that God God does deliver his people. God does, God is going to deliver the world. He is. Whether you're on the right side or the wrong side, it'll be totally up to you. He's going to give you every opportunity. This may be one of them. I don't know how many he's going to give you, but this may be one of them. You know, we had we had a, a, a wonderful gentleman that we uh, that you and I and, and others had the pleasure of studying with and being friends with. And his name was Pete. And the other day, uh, we got a phone. I get a call right in the middle of of uh, class, and and uh, and it's him, and he's sick, and Tim takes care of it and everything. And then the next week, we get we find out we get another call, and they found him dead at his house. He'd been a Christian about a year, and he was he was a <clears throat> an old man with one leg. We had to put him in a sheet. And lift him into the baptistry to baptize him. And it was just a privilege to be a part of his life. And his life was a struggle. Yeah. It was a struggle. It hadn't gotten much easier. In some instances, it had gotten worse. Because, because he wanted so desperately to, to, uh, to communicate what he'd learned. And nobody wanted to listen. And, it, and he struggled with that. So, you know, when I look at God's deliverance. Uh, I watched God deliver Pete, and and I told 
Last Sunday morning, when I did the welcome, I said, it was a privilege to be a part of his life, and it's going to be a pleasure to walk with him on two legs. Mm. You know? Because that's going to be part of God's deliverance for him. He's going to have two healthy legs and a healthy body that's right. that he didn't have here. And he's waiting, and one day I'll get to see him again. Because that's the promise of God's deliverance. Right. That's the promise. Here, the promise of God's deliverance, I'm going to take you out of this bondage. You don't got to make bricks anymore. I'm going to take you to a land that's full of milk and honey. And you're going to, it's going to be your own land. You're going to have your own place. And nobody's going to tell you what to do. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to dictate over you and lord it over you. And, and yet they have to get past this. Pete had to get past, you know, Pete had a consequence of his sin right in front of him all the time. You know, he had one leg and that leg had gotten blown off. Okay, because he did something and and uh, and at that time he was involved in a lot of stuff and probably clouded his judgment and he did something he knew he shouldn't do, did it anyway, and he was living with the consequence of one leg. So, you know, these people are going to live with the consequence for a long time of what's happened in their life. You know, deliverance is, is absolute from God. God promises, he's been promised it from all time and it's still in effect today. God will deliver you, but you have to be willing to do what God tells you to do. Mm. Otherwise... There is the, the the only deliverance you're going to have is deliverance into a, a, a more sea and more land of bondage. Hmm. Just the way it works. Well, and even Moses struggles with it in verse 22 after the people came and, and accused him. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought, brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. So, you know, it's interesting because I've had that. I've, I've had that feeling before. Well, and I, I was going to say, you know, it. You Moses is eighty years old, but he's really just started walking with God, mm-hmm. and you have your own mindset of the way things should work, of the way things should go, mm-hmm. and you can get to a point where you stop looking to God and start just expecting this is the way it is, or you get to the point when something like this happens where it's not not what you would have expected. And you're facing that difficulty and that struggle and deliverance. You turn around and you look at God and you go, wait a minute, what's going on? What's going on here? This isn't the way it's supposed to be. Well, God has already told you what is going to be. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to hold on to. That's absolutely right. The road there is the road there. Yeah. It's navigating sin. It's navigating the consequences of my sin, the consequences of other people's sins, the consequences of a fallen nation, yeah. the consequences yeah. of, of of spiritual enemies and powers that, that want to destroy us yeah. along the way. You know, we've got to keep our mind and our, our eye on what God has said yeah. and, and not try to dictate the path in between. And, you know, we're going to cover that as we, because this deliverance idea is is we're just starting it. Chapter six, we get into next week will be sure. just more of the same and more of the same because because this process is going to ongo. These people are going to be reminded and we're going to keep reminding you guys that mm-hmm. God's deliverance is still evident today. That's right. So we're going to keep after that. So we don't, we'll pick it up in here next week. That's right. We'll be in Exodus chapter six. Exodus chapter six. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the for the promise of deliverance in our lives. Father, we, we are witnessing and experiencing this deliverance that you're going to deliver your people through Moses and Aaron. And it's a, it's, it's going to be neat to study and really fun to watch as, as you work and as you, as you deliver them out of this bondage. Father, but you have promised the same for us, a deliverance from bondage. I pray for our audience. I pray for, for all of us that we will be patient with you as you deliver us. 
that we'll that we'll believe in your promises that you promised us and that we will that we'll wait for you to work in our lives as as that deliverance comes into fold in our lives thank you so much for it thank you for your son it's in his name that we pray amen